or you spit them out of your mouth. And I think that's what this message is all about. It's called Taming the Untamable. Taming the Untamable. So we're in this series in the book of James. It's a book that was written some 2,000 years ago, a letter breathed by God, I believe, through the pen of Jacob, the half-brother of our Messiah, Yeshua. It's a letter that I believe encourages followers of Messiah in the first century and also in the 21st century. Encourages them to stay strong and not to give in to the comforts and the ways and the pleasures and the so-called wisdom of this world. It's a letter that says instead you need to demonstrate faith. You need to live as first fruit people. First fruit people. James 1.18, I'll remind you, it says this, He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all He created. It's God's intent that our lives become, one, a portrait of how life should and could be lived, and two, a preview, if you will, of where God is ultimately taking all creation when His Son, and we sang the song this morning, splits the sky and returns to us. God has called us to live our lives as first fruits people who are making it real, if you will, by doing a number of things. By grounding and fueling our faith in the resurrection of Yeshua from the dead. By turning our trials into triumphs. By defeating sin and temptation by being doers and not simply hearers of the world, by reigning in our tongues, by looking after the widow, the orphan, and the less fortunate, by updating our favorites list, and by welcoming all, no matter who they are, where they've been, what they look like, or what they struggle with, to come and sit with us at the feet of our Messiah. By combining our faith with our works, That's the original dynamic duo, by the way. Faith and works. Making sacrifices, taking risks, all to be alive and honoring God. Things that change, in fact, this world. And this Shabbat morning, Jacob's going to talk to us about how first fruits people tame the untamable. Tame the untamable. Yep, today we're going to talk about the tongue. And about words that come out of our mouths, especially in the age of social media, and also words that come out of our thumbs. Amen? You know, the spoken words is a really weird thing when you think about it. It starts with a thought from our soul. It gets translated to muscle movements in all the parts that make vibrations and noises. It gets transmitted through the air, vibrations, picked up by other nerves and muscle organisms, transferred back to the soul, and then interpreted. I mean, let's face it, only God could create something like that. But what determines what message is given? And what determines how the message is received? Dear ones, it's the soul, and the question is, Are you deciding what to say and deciding what has been said 
By the flesh or by the spirit? Taming the untamable is our topic this morning. The tongue is probably the most one of the most hidden parts of our body. But when it does make its presence known, it has devastating power. The tongue can express or repress. It can release or restrain. It can enlighten or obscure. It can adore or abhor. It can offend or befriend, affirm or alienate, build or belittle, comfort or criticize, delight or destroy, be sincere or sinister, the tongue can Xerox the good or X-ray the bad. Yep. And we all love to talk, don't we? Oh, come on. Are you with me this morning? Statistics say, did you know that you were a statistic? (laughs) Statistics say that the average person Not the overly talkative person, not the super shy person, but the average person spends one-fifth of their life talking. If all of our words were put into print, this is what the result would be. A single day's words would fill a 50-page book. Oh, that's not all. In a year's time the average person would fill 132 books of 200 pages each. Oh, by the way, that's the average person. That's a lot of opportunity to screw things up and make mistakes, isn't it? So it really shouldn't surprise us that the Word of God and God's invitation into life as He designed us to have life would have some things to say about how we use one-fifth of our lives. It shouldn't be surprising that God has some thoughts and has a design for how we use our words. And Jacob, well, Jacob's already shared some of those thoughts previously in his book, his letter. James 1, 19 and 20, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. James 1, 26, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Okay, so I think it's important as we begin for all of us to just put things right out on the table. Just get it right out in the open. Here's some questions. Have you ever misused your tongue? Have you ever said things to someone that hurt them rather than help them? Have you said something to someone and your intent was to do just that, to hurt them? You did it on purpose. You knew if you said it, it was going to hurt. And you knew if you said it, it was going to crush them. And you wanted to crush them, and so you said it. Have you ever used your tongue to gossip about someone? By the way, I think that our motivation in sharing a particular morsel (laughs) plays a huge role in determining whether or not it's gossip. (coughs) I would also say that if you're talking about someone, and if they walked in, or a friend of theirs walked in, and you felt the urge to suddenly stop talking, (laughs) you just may be gossiping. Again, 
I want you to raise your hand if you still, not last year, not in a past relationship, not before you met Yeshua, but if you still at times have issues with your tongue and the words that come out of your mouth. (laughs) Jacob's right on time, dear ones. Some of us are born not with a silver spoon in our mouth, but a foot. (laughs) We have this natural ability to say the wrong thing at the wrong time. Nothing is open more wrongly at the wrong time than our mouths. Our mouths, (laughs) they get us into a lot of trouble. And Jacob talks more about the tongue than anybody else in the Brit Chadashah in the New Testament Scriptures. I mean, nearly every chapter in the book of James says something about managing your mouth. We all stumble in many ways, James says. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Jacob says if you can't control your mouth, if you can control your mouth, you're perfect. He's not talking about sinless here, by the way. The word perfection in the Greek literally means mature or healthy. When you go to the doctor and say, I'm not feeling good, the first thing he says is, stick out your tongue. (laughs) Why? Well, if you think of it, the tongue reveals what's going on inside of you. And Jacob would say that that's true not just physically, but spiritually as well. So there are four points this morning, four points in taming the untamable. Point number one, our tongues direct where we go. Number two, our tongues can destroy what we have. Point number three, our tongues reveal who we really are. And point number four, our tongues have the power to both bring and give life. So let's just pray for a moment. Abba Father, speak directly to our hearts this morning in ways that are convicting and not condemning. And if your words this morning to us are sharp, show us where we need to be redirected. Show us, Lord, how our tongue can deceive us, and how you, by your Spirit, can control it. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Point number one, our tongue directs us where we go. Verse three, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or, take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds... They're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. So understand this. If you want to know where you're going to go in the next five to ten years, look at what you say. Look at what you say. If you want to know the direction your life is moving, look at your conversations. Look at the words that are coming out of your mouth. You see, we shape our words, now please listen to this, but our words also shape us. We shape our words, and then our words shape us. They direct where we're going, and in the text, Jacob gives us two examples exactly of that. First is of a bit, and the second is of a rudder. 
Jacob says, consider a bit in a horse's mouth. Now, horses and I don't exactly get along. As a matter of fact, I once got on a horse to take a leisurely ride with someone, and the horse stood still for 10 minutes. I mean, you've got this huge stallion, right? Especially in a race course. 2,000, 3,000 pounds, maybe. And a 95-pound jockey can control the tremendous power of this horse by a little piece of metal stuck strategically over the horse's tongue. Go figure. Jacob says that's what the tongue is like. You have this little bitty muscle that has a huge impact in our lives. It can make you or break you. It can open doors for you into the future. It can close doors for you. It can either help people or hurt people. It will determine the direction of your life. And then next, James talks about the tongue as it's as if it were a rudder on a ship. Any of you ever been down to Newport News? You ever seen those huge ships sitting out off the docks? Well, I got news for you. If you think those ships are huge in the water, you ought to see them out of the water. Yet despite their size, they're determined by a small rudder, which determines where these massive pieces of equipment go. And James says the same is true of our tongue. It literally directs our lives, my life and your life's. And listen, both the bit and the rudder need to overcome contrary forces. The bit needs to overcome the strength of a powerful horse. The rudder needs to fight against strong winds, fight against swift currents, things that can drive the ship off course. And in like manner, the tongue must overcome the powerful influences of our fleshly nature. The question we each need to be asking ourselves is, where is our tongue directing us? Where is our tongue taking our lives and the lives of those around us? Point number two, our tongues can destroy what we have. Our tongues can destroy what we have. Jacob writes, the tongue is also a fire. Boy, when I read these words, I had to read them like ten times this week. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. A restless evil full of deadly poison. Is anybody's mouth getting dry right now? So tell us, Jacob, how do you really feel about this issue? I mean, is, is he giving us the uncensored, straight up, no holds barred truth about the tongue? I believe he is. Can you affirm what he just said? Even when you hear it, as harsh as it is, Doesn't it just ring truth? The tongue can be a restless evil. It can be a deadly poison. It can and does destroy lives. And again, Jacob uses two illustrations to underscore the destructive nature of the tongue. Fire and wild animals. A fire can begin with just a spark. 
That happens almost every year out in Southern California. But that spark can grow and can destroy entire cities. You've all heard the story of O'Leary's Barn. A fire started in the O'Leary Barn in Chicago at 8.30 p.m. October 8, 1871, and grew and spread to disastrous proportions, killing 300 people, leaving 100,000 people homeless, destroying 17,500 buildings at a cost to the city of $400 million. That's almost $7 billion adjusted for our time. And Jacob says... Your tongue can destroy just like that. Like a raging fire that can cause us to lose it all. I wonder how many people, because of a careless word, have destroyed their marriage or their career or their reputation or the reputation of someone else, or have destroyed or caused destruction in their congregation, or the congregation they just left, or maybe even a friendship. You see, the tongue not only has the power to direct where you go, but also to destroy what you have. Proverbs 12, 18, Reckless words pierce like a sword. Proverbs 15.4, a deceitful tongue crushes, crushes the spirit. Proverbs 16.28, a perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. Proverbs 26.10, wood without a fire goes out. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. How many of you know this saying by heart? Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words can never hurt me. I don't know who came up with that, but it's just not right. (laughs) It's just not true. Words can break your heart. Broken bones can heal with time. But dear ones, a broken spirit caused by a destructive tongue is not quickly repaired. So again, let me ask you some more questions. How many people have you crushed or pierced with your words? What do your words more frequently do? Build up or tear down? Verse 6. It, that is a tongue out of control, sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Jacob is not pulling any punches here. And listen, the truth is, when we use our tongue to hurt, to tear down and destroy, whether it's another person or relationship or whatever... The source of the words that are coming out of our mouths is straight from the depths of hell. And we also need to understand that it is not without consequences in our lives. It will spread and corrupt our entire being. Well, next, James, Jacob compares the destruction of the tongue to wild, untamed animals. All kinds of animals, he writes. Birds, reptiles, sea creatures, they're all tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. Boy, I had to read that one ten times. Because that's like a showstopper right there. If you don't understand it correctly. No man can tame the tongue. 
Now understand this, man has been able to tame all kinds of animals, but no man has been able to tame the tongue. He says it's a restless evil. He says, in other words, it's liable to break out at any moment. It's a restless evil, a restless evil, waiting to strike. You never know what the tongue's going to do. And then Jacob says it's like a poison, a deadly poison. Restless evil, deadly poison. The Greek word there is literally snake venom. The tongue is also full of deadly poison. By the way, King David said as much as the same. Psalm 140, verses 1 to 3, Rescue me, O Lord, from evil men. They make their tongues as sharp as a serpent's. The poison of vipers is in their lips. Would anyone here, I know this is a silly question, turn hungry lions or venomous, venomous snakes loose in their house? Or where they work? Or here at Son of David? Of course not. But we need to remember that an untamed tongue does the same thing spiritually and emotionally. Point number three. Our tongues display who we really are. Verse 9, chapter 3. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. Wow, that's a great use of our tongue, right? Amen. I mean, there's no higher use of the tongue than to praise God. And we've done that today in this room, haven't we? We've sung His praises. Does anybody here ever praise God with your tongue? Of course. It's awesome. And then we curse human beings with it. People who are made in the image of God. Now, cursing here in this scripture doesn't necessarily mean profanity. It means any kind of putting down or labeling, like you good for nothing, or you'll never amount to anything, or you're just like fill in the blank. Any kind of put down, dear ones, is a curse. Isn't it amazing how quickly the stuff that's coming out of our mouths can change? This sermon was written for me, by the way. If you all like it, that's cool. I mean, one minute we're saying, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here, and the next minute we're out in the hallway, the parking lot, in our cars, or homes, or restaurant, wherever, and our tongues and words are tearing people down. Sometimes, even if we don't speak them out loud, we just kind of say them in our head. The tongue, mine and yours, is such a contradiction. It's so inconsistent. It's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. One minute we're praising God, the next we're cursing other people, who, by the way, are made in the image of God. Does anybody here struggle with an inconsistent tongue? Have you ever used your tongue to praise God in this room on Saturday morning, and before you went to bed, you used your tongue to curse other people? Verse 10, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. Okay, I think most of us would agree this shouldn't be, right? Well, then this leads to the following question. How can this be? Well, Jacob gives us the answers in verses 11 and 12. Once again, he uses two illustrations, just like he's done before. Bitten rider, fire and wild animals. Those were the things he used to underscore rather his points previously. 
Verse 11, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Clear image here. The image here is of a fresh flowing stream that has both bitter water and sweet water flowing through it. Now, there are lots of natural springs even today in the Middle East. Some produce fresh water, some produce salt water. However, none of them produce both. You know why? It's impossible. Jacob is saying that just as it's impossible for a spring to have both sweet and salty sour water, it's also inconceivable for the tongue to send forth both righteousness and rumors, blessings and cursings, compliments and blastings, grace and gossip. Dear ones, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? No. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Again, the point is this. Whatever it is that's in the well comes out in the water. Oh, let me say that again. Whatever's in the well comes out in the water. Whatever's in the tree comes out in the fruit. I mean, what's the likelihood of an apple tree producing cherries? Zip. Are we hearing James correctly here? If we are, then this is the point. Our problem's not really our tongue. Our problem is our heart. What comes out is what's on the inside. You see, our mouths eventually reveal what's in our heart. Sure, we can fool, we can con, we can pretend, (laughs) but eventually your tongue's going to rat you out. It's going to reveal what's really inside. And have you ever seen a scenario like this played out? Someone says something really mean or hurtful and they say, I don't know what got into me. Oh, it's not like me to say something like that. I don't know why I said that. It's totally out of character. I I didn't mean it. You know what Jacob would say? Yes, it is. It's just like you. You meant it. Quit kidding yourself. What's inside is going to come out. You don't have a spring that one minute gives salt water and the next minute gives fresh water. That's inconsistent. It just doesn't work like that. It's a natural law. What comes out of the well is what's inside the well. What comes out of the tree is what's inside the tree. Yeshua said it this way, Matthew 12, 34, For out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. Yeshua explained the Freudian slip years before Freud even existed. He said, what's inside of you is what's going to come out. That's why if we've got a problem with our tongue, it's really a lot more serious than we think because we have a heart problem. We have a heart problem. You see, a person with a harsh tongue has an angry heart. A person with a negative tongue has a fearful heart. A person with an overactive tongue has an unsettled heart. A person with a boasting tongue 
has an insecure heart. A person with a filthy tongue has an impure heart. And a person who's critical all the time, well, they have a bitter heart. On the other hand, a person who is always encouraging has a happy heart. A person who speaks gently has a loving heart. A person who speaks truthfully has an honest heart. Dear ones, our tongues can bring and give life. Point four. Proverbs 18.21 Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. So I say let's draw a line in the sand today. Huh? Let's draw a line and determine that we're going to be a people who speak words of life to one another. That we're going to be a people who say, we're not going to gossip. We're not going to share hearsay. We're not going to engage in this deadly poison that can destroy lives and family and people. We're not going to spread stories that aren't our business. We're not going to hear them or pass them on. We're going to put a stop to them. Instead, we're going to share words of life and ask God for help. Please notice that Jacob said that no man can tame the tongue, but he did not say that God can't tame it. How can he tame it? He gave us a new heart. Ezekiel 36, 25 and 27. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. And in 2 Corinthians 5.17, we read the following. If anyone, anyone is in Messiah, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Why is that important? It's important because we really do need supernatural power to control our tongues. We can't do it on our own. Our life is living proof of that. Amen? Amen. We can't control it on our own. We need supernatural power. And so we ask God to help. Psalm 141, verse 3. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. What an amazing verse. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I have a suggestion for everyone here this morning. Memorize that verse and pray it every morning before you walk out the door. No, before you get out of bed. Heaven forbid you should meet somebody before you walk out the door. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Why don't you say it with me? Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door 
of my lips. What a great verse to memorize and quote every morning. You might say it in your own words. How about this one? God, put a muzzle on my mouth. Guard my lips. Don't let me be critical today. Don't let me be judgmental. Don't let me say things off the cuff and then regret it later. Dear ones, you need to taste your words before you spit them out of your mouth. You need to think before you speak. And remember this rule about gossip. (laughs) The more interesting it is, the more likely it is to be false. When you speak, ask yourselves, is it helpful? Will your words bring about a solution to a problem? Is it inspiring? Do we have to say anything at all? Will your words build up someone? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Are your words based on a desire or is determined to help? Let's all make a commitment this morning to listen twice as much as we speak, to taste our words before we spit them out of our mouths, to rely on the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to control what is untamable by man, and to be a kind of first fruits to all that we see and come in contact with. Let's pray. Avinu Malkinu, our Father and our King. Watch out for our mouths. Clean out the flesh that may still be in our hearts so that it doesn't come forth in the words that we speak. Let us understand just how powerful and destructive our words can be but also how redeeming and life-giving they can be. And Father, make us hearers of this word and also doers. In your Son's name I pray. Amen.